0: My goal is to educate and inspire, and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 80 of A Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, we have the one, the only, Sarah Ordo in the house. She is a makeup artist, a podcaster, an author. I think she has about nine books under her belt girl likes to write. It's no joke. She's also a coach and she started my favorite Facebook group and yours, Slaying Sobriety. In today's episode, Sarah walks us through her recovery journey. We talk about what it's like to date sober and we talk about marriage in sobriety. Sarah got married beginning of this year and she walks us through what her wedding was like and what is in those champagne flutes. So without further ado, let's get into it. Holy moly, this coronavirus is in full effect. What better time to work on your self-development? Maybe this is universe's way to saying, hey, let's slow down and level up our game. That is why I created the Level Up Bundle. It has all the best-selling tools and tips that I have used over the past 10 years to really value sobriety. In this bundle, you'll get the Sober Plan of Action workbook and journal. You'll get the Slay Your Anxiety workbook. And the Mindset Reset Program. Head to sobergirlsguide.com and download yours today. Sarah Ordo, I am so stoked to talk to you because I am a huge fan of Slaying Sobriety, the Facebook group. Yeah, And I have just been kind of Watching you like a little creeper that I am. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do it for. That's why I'm on yeah. social media. For <laughs> the creeps, like me. Yes. Um I am just blown away by you. You're like a makeup artist, a podcaster, a crazy like what how many books do you have now? Um and you have another one coming out Sunday. Yeah,
1: my ninth one is about to come out <laughs> in just a few days. <laughs> Dude, that is incredible!
0: I like, know. congratulations. I'm,
1: I always like to like preface it to people. Like, I'm a little bit crazy, a little bit insane, a little bit overachiever. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is not normal. So, I don't want anyone listening to be like, "Oh my god, should I write nine books
0: <laughs> in a couple of years? No. Like, let's do it."
1: <laughs> Probably not
0: for the normal person. <laughs> that is incredible. I mean it's it's a feat writing one book. I know that, but nine? It's exhausting. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process. But do you feel like it gets like a little bit like addicting? You're like, Oh, once you've done it once, you're like, okay, like now you kind of know the systems, you know, the flow Mm -hmm. and you just get that inspiration and you ride with it. How do do you go? Yeah. I'm totally addicted to like producing things
1: to making things. And I will say like when I first started writing, when I wrote my first book sober as fuck in 2017, when I put that one out, I didn't really like have a, plan going into it. I was like, you know, I'm going to write this book. We're going to see how it goes. Like worst case scenario, no one wants to read my sobriety story. It'll be really therapeutic. My therapist was like cheering me on. She's like, this is going to be great for you, even if you do nothing with it. Um, and so when I self-published that first book, like I didn't really have a plan for like what was next. Um, and I will say like right away, I missed writing like I missed regular yeah. writing and just expressing myself and that whole like creative flow of it and then yeah. there was something so like insanely gratifying about you know spending so much time and effort putting this together and then you know even like ordering my first proof and like having it in my hands for the first time like I balled my fucking eyes out like it yeah. was the coolest thing and then after that like you know, I knew my friends and family would buy it and like support me, but right. the, the another like really cool moment was when like complete strangers would find me online mm. and be like, "Oh my god, I found your book on Amazon!" And it was like, "Holy shit!" Like people are really like mm-hmm. finding like this is something, you know. And right. so I remember. Pre- I mean, even before that started happening, pretty quick right after, I was like, "I miss writing. I feel like I have mm-hmm. so much more to say because I was going on like." This huge sobriety journey, which is such a transformative thing that I was like, I have so many, like, I feel like I'm in the next chapter now of this journey. And like, I have a a whole nother like topic to talk about now that I am living sober. So, like, it just, it did get addicting. And I loved every time, like, getting that book for the first time and seeing people like tag pictures that they bought it and they were loving it. Like, it's just, it's one of the coolest freaking things in my life by far.
0: Totally. You're like Sarah Jessica Parker. You know, in, uh, in Detroit Cincinnati. though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brunette and in Detroit, basically. <laughs> right. But like writing, you know, those, those phases in your life and, and yeah. like, you know, making them markers as books and it almost like encapsulating it. Mm-hmm. It, it is. So cool. I, I even described like
1: my first book was literally, um, like my diary of my first two years sober. Mm. So, like essentially that's exactly how it was written. Um, yeah. it's so funny. Like, I feel like I always have to say this. Like it definitely was my first book. Like when I look back at it, because like I've gotten so much better now, but a lot of people on Amazon like to say that it's like reading a 14 year old girl's diary. So (laughs) I've (laughs) I've
0: gotten more than one one (laughs) review that
1: sounds like that. And I'm like, really? She was actually 26. So, okay. (laughs) but um yeah like I I kind of wrote it almost like a diary and like all the thoughts going through my head so it is cool because kind of as you read the books and go you know through my different books like I have a book called 30 as fuck which is all about 30 things I learned in my life before I turned 30 so it it is kind of cool because it's memories and it's like my
0: scrapbook of my life like in books essentially absolutely and like Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Maybe it sounded like a 14 year old girl (laughs) wrote it. But like, if you didn't write that first book, like I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't wouldn't be here. Right. Like you wouldn't have progressed. You wouldn't have this experience. And no, to even look back and have that humility, Mm -hmm. you know, with yourself and be like, Oh, yeah, well I'm I'm a little bit different. I'm a little further along now. So, whatever. Yeah. I actually went back and
1: um last year, I think it was last the beginning of last year. I actually went back through sober as fuck and changed like a lot of like errors that i had in it that i found because i was like okay fine i get it people like it wasn't perfect so i went back and made like you know like grammatical errors like i didn't change the story at all but i like fixed you know the minor things i could fix without changing the book and so i did i did go back and do that um but yeah it's super funny and i i just always have to remind myself like the people leaving these reviews on amazon have probably never written a book so they're right like you don't get to comment if you haven't done it. Like you're not in the arena with me. Like Brene Brown says. Like you yes. don't. You don't get to comment on what I'm doing if you've never tried it.
0: <laughs> Dude, totally. My book has so many like grammatical errors, and I'm like, yeah. At first, stressing out. Like I was stressing out. I think that just comes with self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Like I was making myself sick.
1: I feel I'm like I yeah. tried as
0: hard as I could, and you know, one review was like. Oh, there's so many grammatical errors with, like good message. I'm like, okay, yeah, girl,
1: go look, go look at my reviews on Summer's when we get off this interview. Yeah. <laughs> someone literally took a photo that my autocorrect because I, I write on a MacBook. Um yeah. my auto book turned melodramatic into two words, like oh. mellow and then dramatic. Yeah. And someone yeah. literally took a picture of it in a review and was like, "Look at how she spelled what? melodramatic." Which oh, I sense have changed. Shit, I have sense
0: fixed, but yeah,
1: yeah people are
0: savage. They're savage. They'll yeah. come for you. <laughs> oh, they've f- yeah, they for sure will. Um, I wanted to back it up a little bit and yeah. talk about your uh, sobriety journey. Yeah, and like, can you br- can you bring us back back to the good old days? Um, <laughs> um, Before your recovery and what what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah. So I was your typical like party girl, lush binge drinker, Um, but Mm -hmm. to the extreme, I will say Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, at the bar every weekend, going to nightclubs, um, big in the rave, like electronic music scene, Um, even back in high school. Like I drank the first time when I was 13. So okay. even in high school, every single weekend, I was at whoever's house, didn't have parents there. You know, we were drinking and using drugs pretty recreationally every week. Um, yep. And very quickly, I realized that I was a blackout person. So okay. I blacked out pretty much every time I drank. Um, And it was just like, you would flip a light switch. Like I would be drinking and having a great time. And all of a sudden I would just be like gone, like blacked out. Mm. And I never passed out. Like some people do though, when they black out, like I was full okay. functioning. So, oh. which is very like, like in your body, but
0: like no one's oh, home.
1: Literally yeah. people, okay. I would, people would say like, Oh, I talked to you and I would have no recollection of Even seeing them and they would be like, you didn't even seem that drunk. Like we were having a whole conversation. I would not even remember seeing them. I would go places that I wouldn't even remember being the next day. Like I would straight up, I mean, it's horrible. And like, it's not my proudest hour by far, but like there were times I would literally wake up in a bed and look over and just burst into hysterics in the morning because I had no idea where I was, who this person was and what I had done. Right. Zero recollection. Like not even a glimmer or like a flash of a memory. Like yeah. nothing. And so as you can right. imagine, for years that got me into a lot of situations that should have been red flags. But, yes, ma'am. Yeah. And I was just one of those people though. Like I almost, I thought it was like funny. I thought it was admirable. Um, I thought mm-hmm. people were like envious of me because I was like this lush party girl lifestyle. Um, right.
0: How and- old were you around? oh my
1: God! So this went on. I got sober at twenty six so this okay. was pretty much continuous from thirteen till twenty six um obviously okay. got worse at sometimes, got better at sometimes um but i mean yeah. pretty pretty continuous, like I never stopped drinking or using drugs throughout that entire time.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: so yeah, I was just kinda going through life like that, and mm. obviously, the older I got. It got easier um once I was twenty one I could you know yes. buy myself drinks, guys could drive buy me drinks at the bar, so I was getting wasted um and yeah, it was just kind of like a vicious cycle of that going on. I had mm. a lot of experiences with you know sexual assault, rape, mm. all types of horrible things I you know had gotten injured, I was you know dropped in a parking lot and ripped my chin open like oh, so many cool. things that should have been red flags, you know right. To- people well, they would have been but to me it was just like oh my god I got so drunk like listen to what happened <laughs> it was like yeah no
0: girl like that's not okay it's almost like we get, yeah it's like we get accustomed to that kind of like yeah. drama though right you know, exactly like, like, like the chaos just that. yeah on the weekend yeah. like weekend warriors no big deal right so yeah. that went
1: on um I mean the entire time so when I was 26 I went to a music festival here in Detroit that we have every year. It's an electronic music festival and it was just every year the time we would get the most fucked up because mm. it was like a three day festival. It went until midnight, but then every place had DJs for after hours. As you can imagine, right. a shit ton of drugs going on there, you know, ecstasy, all the, all the stuff. Um, yep. so on that night, I, you know, did my prep a typical pregame as we were going to the festival. I drank almost a fifth of tequila. I had taken some Adderall. I got there. And then when we got in line to get our tickets, there was like a super long line. So I walked to a liquor store with some people, um, some guys that were in line with us that I didn't even know. And, Mm. you know, proceeded to buy a pint of vodka and a 40 of Mike's Hard Lemonade to chase it with. Yeah, naturally. Finished, right. Finished most of that <laughs> while I was in line and drank a little bit of whatever the people in front of us had. And mm-hmm. my friend said at one point, she even kind of like stopped me and was like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, yeah, that's a good time. Yeah. And I got into the festival. She said, I bought a mixed drink when we got inside. I don't remember anything even beyond getting into the festival at all. Yeah. Um, I bought a mixed drink and then she saw me talking to someone. Um, a guy. And she, she said at first she couldn't tell. She thought we might've been like making out or something. Cause we were like talking really close. And yeah. she said, all of a sudden she saw me like hand him a handful of money. And he like shoveled like a handful of pills into my mouth. Ooh. And she's like, I didn't know oh, what you ooh. were. Yeah. She's like, I didn't know what you were taking. Like I didn't know what was going on. And right. like, I always, I, I mean, it doesn't make it any better, but I always like to say like, I was always very like, I was always very aware of who I was getting stuff from
0: and what it was.
1: So this is not something I would normally do, like just shovel, but I mean, it just goes to show when I was blacked out, there was no judgment at all. Yeah. Um, so I took this. Anything else? Yeah, exactly. So I took the drugs. Um, about 15 minutes later, I went up to a guy that was with us and she said, I just like grabbed his, the front of his t shirt, like in my fist and just collapsed on the concrete and, So they picked me up, took me over to like a grassy area and they said I was like heaving a little bit. They thought maybe I was going to throw up and they thought I was going to be okay. Like I got, I stood back up and they were like, all right, like you're, you're fine. You're going to be good. And she said like two seconds later, like I just completely collapsed on the concrete again. And um, my eyes were like rolling back in my head and she um, had some medical training. She works in the medical field. And so she was trying to like feel for my pulse and she said it was like getting faint. So someone picked me up and just ran me to the front of the festival where they had like a medic tent and yeah. they took me in the medic tent and she said I was in there for like maybe a couple of minutes and the nurse came out and they were like, we're calling an ambulance. Like she's going to the emergency room. That's it. And so I got, yeah. I, I it's so crazy. I got strapped, you know, to the thing, put in the ambulance and no one could come with me because no one was family. Right. So, um, All, and it's so weird because this is one of the only things I remember from the entire night, but I remember Mm. it was, like, completely black, but I could, like, hear, and I could tell I was, like, strapped
0: down in my chest. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flour, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V I B E Gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash a s g g and i was trying to like sit up or something
1: like i was trying to like move and i could feel i was being held down and i just remember this woman's voice kept saying like no sweetie what did you take what did you take and she just kept saying it like over and over again as i was trying to get up it's literally the only thing i remember the entire time um so basically i got taken to the emergency room in downtown detroit um they had to strap me up to a million things, flush me out. Um, I bit into my tongue and seized a little bit at some point. I almost went into cardiac arrest because then my heart rate like skyrocketed super high. They thought I was going to have a stroke or go into complete cardiac arrest. Um, so I woke up essentially in the emergency room Um, the first thing I remember was being in a room and one of my best friends that wasn't even with us was sitting next to the bed crying. And Mm -hmm. I was so out of it though. I had no idea where I was, what was happening, what, you know, what had happened at all. And I was trying to like pull the, all the things off my chest and I was trying to pull the IVs out of my arms. And so the nurses had to come in and like hold me down. And, you know, I was just terrified in that moment because I had no idea what had just happened right and so they kept me um at the hospital until all my levels were back to normal just because everything had gotten so high and kind of irregular and you know like a doctor and nurse like came in at some point and like essentially said to me they were like do you realize what just happened like and I was like yeah "Yeah." like just trying to like play it like yeah (laughs) and you know the doctor like straight up like essentially said to me he was like I'm first of all, I'm five feet tall. Like I am a small girl. I'm like, oh one seven. Lord. yeah, like 117 on a good day, like really tiny. Okay. Um, tiny. I know I'm very small. So like the amount of stuff I consumed, like the amount I could consume was not normal. It was a lot. Right. And the doctor essentially said, he's like, you are such a small girl. And the amount, not only the amount of alcohol, my blood alcohol level, but the combination of drugs I had consumed was such a lethal combination that he was like your body was shutting down and we don't know how you pulled through this. Wow. Which, hearing someone say that, like I right. think in the moment I was still so like in shock and disbelief that I didn't actually fully like grasp it. Right. Um and I was like, "Okay, so like basically I couldn't leave until someone was there." So obviously that's why my friend had gotten there. And right. um I left with her and it was funny cuz when I left I was barefoot. I oh. didn't have my phone, my keys, anything with me. Um, oh. yeah, like, cause they had just taken me, you know, they weren't concerned right. with where my things were. So I had no shoes, no anything else. Um, no idea where the people were that I had came with. Um, I had makeup like running down my face cause someone had poured a bottle of water at me at some point, like trying to wake me up or whatever. Um, yeah. so I was an effing disaster and. Oof. I don't even think it like fully hit me though until i I remember I went to my mom's house after um mm-hmm. like once I got out of the hospital the next day and everything I went to my mom's house and she had been you know calling the hospital, but they wouldn't tell her anything over the phone, so she oh, okay. didn't know like no one knew what was going on, and I remember getting there and my mom just like holding me and like crying, and I stayed there that night, and I remember having to sit there and like send apology letter or like messages or like call people and apologize and be like you know what i'm so sorry like they thought i was dead basically like i put all these people in this horrible situation and i was like i've never felt like a bigger piece of shit than i did in that moment having to apologize for people for thinking that i was gone like it was so fucked and then i remember even after that like the first time i went back to my apartment it was the weirdest feeling in the world because I walked in and I remember like looking around and it was weird because I had this moment of like, what if this wasn't me walking in here? Oh, which was very strange because I was like, what if this was like my mom coming in here to like, take my things out or like, you know, decide oh like, Oh Yes. like Pick what would she have t- like taken to remember me by? Like, oh, you know, like like weird little things, like you know, I had scribbled down like a grocery list on the fridge, or like right. just little things that would have been left like exactly as they were, and like I I just remember having like all these fucked up thoughts, like maybe my mom would have taken my pillow because it was like the last thing I slept on, like so weird, and I remember sitting there and crying for like hours because it was oh. such a weird thing to even think about. Yeah. Yeah. But I have not had a drop of alcohol since that night,
0: basically. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. Like how did that, how did that transpire? Because yeah, I like, I think we've all had kind of maybe near deathic brushes, let's just say. Yeah. But then you're like, Oh, you know, two weeks, you take a break or like three weeks later, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, what changed? Like why, why, Why after this uh, circumstance, what made you just like completely um, quit? I had had a lot of those experiences, too, where it should have been, you know,
1: like, hey, this is maybe I should stop. But like you said, you know, they never lasted. Um, This one was definitely it was it was the near death part of it that definitely hit me the hardest, like realizing like I could not be here right now. And like, that could have been it. Right. Like that would have been all of it. So honestly, like, I remember when I was, you know, apologizing to all of those people, I was just like, okay, this is too much. Like, this is too much this time. Like this has crossed a line. Like, it's not just a funny, drunk, crazy story to tell. Like I could be dead. And I, at that moment was like, I need to do something. And I remember the first thing I did, which is so like millennial of me but i remember the first thing i did was (laughs) i made a post on facebook Mm. saying like i know i need to change my life like i'm making some big changes and i said i've decided to rid my life of alcohol like i wish i could i probably can't. i want to go back and find the actual post one day because i made this post and i put it out there you know everybody like commented on it and liked it and whatever and i think in a way though it was like it as a millennial like as stupid as that sounds it was like my first like here's my accountability like i put it yes. out there it's real now like i have to, i'm Absolutely. doing this
0: you know yeah and making it so public it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i mean nobody know, I, was following me then <laughs> like, yeah. let's be honest <laughs> it was just
1: my friends and family
0: <laughs> they were like uh help i'm changing my ways see right. <laughs> look everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think like just listening to your story and I think like what really stuck out to me is like, you know, how you described like, okay, my mom could be coming into my apartment, like just seeing how I left everything. I think the fact that you realize how you affect other people, you Mm -hmm. know, how you play a role in other people's lives and, you know, whatever you do, like, has consequences or like almost like a domino effect on the people around you.
1: Yeah, I've and, read so many things that touch on that about like addicts. Yeah. That you know, it's not just about the addict, it's about everyone around them that's getting affected by them because it's not right. just you, it's you right. and it's everyone that cares about you and your friends and family. Like it hurts those people
0: just as much as, much as it's hurting the addict themselves. Yes, if not more, right? They have to watch you. Yeah. You know, and you can only say, hey, you're playing with fire so many times. Yeah. No, I mean, you get burned. Yeah.
1: And it's it's funny because I say it all the time. I'm like, anybody that has ever been through any sort of addiction can tell you, like myself, like I would, I was never going to listen until I was ready to. People could have told me a million times. People did. People tried. My mom tried to put me in therapy when I was 16 for drinking. I went twice and I said, this is stupid. I'm not going anymore. And I stopped going. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, until you are ready, people can beg, plead, cry, whatever. Try to intervention you. Like you've seen the show Intervention. (laughs) Those people are ready. They run away. Um, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, until you are at the point that you know and are ready and are willing and accepting of the help there is out there, you're never going to listen to people, which it sucks. I wish
0: it wasn't like that, but that's honestly how it is. Totally. I mean, God, it took me ten years to even realize it myself. Yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna do anything unless you want to do it. Yeah. Got to wanna. Absolutely. Um, Wow, Sarah, thanks so much for for sharing that story. That was that was uh, like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's Um, in
1: my book. It's in my first book, Sarah's book. (laughs) It was actually the first time I shared the whole story. Was in that book.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I had a great experience to to just be able to put that pen to paper too, to just get it out. Yes,
1: it it was definitely it was it was very therapeutic. I had to kind of like relive and navigate it again, which was difficult at yeah. times while I was writing it because it was very emotional. Um but at the end of it, I think it did help me kind of come to come to terms and accept it and you know come out on the other end of it seeing it, you know, almost as a gift rather than something horrible that had happened.
0: Oh, yes. I love that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. seeing it as a gift. A very hard gift, but nonetheless. (laughs) The hard gifts are the, I'm telling you, the hard gifts are the best ones you'll
1: ever have in your life. And you won't see them as a gift at first, but one day you'll realize it.
0: When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skin care is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Yeah, I agree. Um, So take us up to present day. I mean, you have so much going on. Like I said before, I am a huge fan of your uh, Facebook group, Slang Mm -hmm. Sobriety. Um, You are a coach. You just got married? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Can we (laughs) just talk about that for a second? Yeah. that's amazing. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we just – we had a destination wedding. We got married in Mexico in January. Amazing. And Mm. how did you guys meet? We actually met on Tinder, yeah. which I always kind of laugh about because I'm like, I never thought that's where I'd meet my husband. But lo and behold, that's where it happened. (laughs) But yeah, we met on Tinder and we have kind of a crazy relationship story. I are, we went on two dates. We met on a Saturday or no, we met on a Sunday. I'm sorry. Our second date was on Monday. And then I was leaving Wednesday to go on a trip to Maine, like by myself that I had booked. And okay. she ended up buying a last minute ticket. And our third date was going to the airport, which is That's so, really
0: cute. It's I cute. Really it's that. crazy,
1: but it's cute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, you either it works out or it doesn't. Yeah. Sort of. I literally said, I was like, this is either going to
1: be really good or really bad. Yeah. One way or the other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So how long have you guys been together for?
1: Oh my gosh. So we've been together two, two and a half, almost three years. Okay, great. Yeah, we just got married two months, almost two months ago. Yeah, that's
0: so cute. And how was it dating? You know, with being sober, what was that like? Oh my gosh, dating sober is like all over the board. I
1: feel like I, <laughs> I, I was dating for a while while I was sober. Like I was okay. very into the dating apps, and I feel like it went to every extreme. I had some people that didn't really care like it wasn't really a big deal at all they were like oh you're yep. sober that's cool and i was like oh all right neat like no yeah. big deal um Would you tell them, like
0: on the app like while you were tra- like talking well, before you
1: met what i did which i felt like made it very easy was i just i had a picture um someone had taken like of me at an event that i spoke about the book and so i was like uh-huh. holding my sober as fuck book so i made that one of my pictures cute okay and i was like well this just puts it all on the table yeah <laughs> um so yeah, so I, I feel like win. right. So I feel like some people like I said didn't really care, it wasn't a big deal. Um yeah. some people said they didn't care but then also didn't really like clarify that they were like heavy drinkers themselves. Um right. I had someone get drunk on a first date after they like made a joke Ooh. like well as long as I can drink and I was like mm, no second date here. Um mm. and then I had some people that were like scared or like intimidated by an inner way like Oh. I, I had, I remember I had, and I mean, honestly, if this is how they feel, it's like, thank you for saving me the time. But right. like, I had someone literally was just like, yeah, I don't think this is ever going to work because you don't drink. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like literally, um, you know, I had, I remember one in particular, like we got along really well. He was really fun and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm ready to change my ways. Like I want, I want to settle down a little bit. Like I used to party a lot, but I'm past mm-hmm. it. And then a couple of weeks later, ended up telling me like, yeah, I don't know if I'm really ready for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I feel like it was like all over the board. Like I met people that were sober and I feel like that yeah. just came with a whole other bag of issues because then you had two sober people with all their issues and all their...
0: A lot self, of work. Sure.
1: Yeah, it was a lot yep. going on there. Um, <laughs> I know. And it was funny because like the one sober guy that i did briefly date like we really really did like each other like we really cared about each other and it was it was one of the saddest like breakups ever because i just remember we were on the phone just like crying because it was like we didn't want to you know what i mean but it was like we yeah. knew there was yeah. just way too much going on like early in sobriety and it was like yeah this right. is
0: it's not gonna work so it sucked but yeah i feel like it went all over the place uh yeah So how did, how did you find that balance with your now husband?
1: So Andrew's actually a social drinker. Um, He's not sober. He enjoys football beer, you know, with his friends, which is fine. I have always kind of gone into things with the understanding that this is my life and it's my choices. And I can't expect Mm -hmm. everyone around me to, you know, completely abstain from drinking just because I don't. Right which can be really hard for some people in the beginning, but I just, I've always been kind of hard headed like that where I was like, well, I can do this. This is fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've always just really had that understanding. Like I can't expect other people. I can expect them to be respectful. I should say that I can expect yeah. them to be respectful of it, but I don't expect them to not drink just because I'm there. Um So right. we've definitely like heavy communication and like, I've definitely had to set some boundaries which mm-hmm. I think is the only way we've been able to make it work. And it wasn't always like, we weren't always pros at doing that. Like there was mm-hmm. definitely in the beginning where I would try to be like, Oh yeah, it's fine. I'll be good. And then something would trigger <laughs> and I'd end up crying and freaking out and having a meltdown. And it was my own fault because I was, you know, trying to be like, yeah, I'll be fine. I can do this. And then realizing that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's okay. definitely been a lot of communication. Um, there's definitely been times where I was crying at two in the morning because I, I was like, yeah, you can go out with your friends. I'm fine. And then he came home and I was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, not mean okay. <laughs> right. So boundaries definitely needed to be set. And we've done that. Like he knows when he goes out, like I'll be like, please don't come home past this time. Please don't come home reeking of alcohol. Like just be respectful of me. You know, I don't expect you to not do it. I just expect you to respect the boundaries I set to keep me healthy and comfortable in my sobriety.
0: For sure. I mean, I think that's totally doable and it like, Obviously you found the right partner because now you're married. We are. So Forever. it worked out for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was watching your wedding video. Were you? <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I put I it know, on YouTube was for <laughs> right. yeah. It was freaking beautiful. You looked stunning. Um, and then I noticed you guys like tears like kind of yes. after your like ceremony. What were you drinking? What was in the glass? <laughs> it was yeah, it was essentially kind of like
1: a Shirley Temple with okay. like sparkling water cider in it. We had our wedding like so obviously it was Mexico. It was an all-inclusive resort. So clearly there's alcohol everywhere. Um yeah. When we did like they give you like a wedding planner for like all the little details. And we did did like a phone call meeting with her um, a month or so before the wedding. And Mm -hmm. it was funny because, like, I definitely made a few, like, requests because of my sobriety. And one of them was, can we do a non-alcoholic? They do, like, a toast right after your ceremony before your reception starts. And so I was like, can we do a non-alcoholic toast? And she was like, for everyone or for you? And Andrew was kind of like, well, we don't want everyone to have to not have Champagne. And I just kind right. of looked at him and I was like, this is my fucking wedding. <laughs> and I said, they're going to be at an all inclusive resort for a fucking week. I think they can handle yeah. a non alcoholic cheers for like five minutes. Oh, like, shut one up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we did. We had like a yeah. essentially like a little Shirley Temple in a, in a champagne glass so that we could do our cheers and I could be a part of it and actually do yeah. it. Um, and it was funny because Good for you, I know, I like, think a lot of people were like, would think ahead of time like oh is that going to be weird no one said a damn word okay right. <laughs> no yeah. one said a damn word about it everyone and let's was fine be clear, it's your freaking day yes <laughs> it's not i'm sorry you're coming to a sober girl's wedding you can take yeah. two minutes to have something that doesn't have alcohol in it and you'll survive <laughs> exactly oh my god so yeah i did make I some changes that. I, love and that requests.
0: Said, I, I love that change that was probably- yeah
1: yeah, I, oh. it's, it's how I've gone through my life though. Like I, I shouldn't have to miss out
0: on things just because I don't drink. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And obviously you've been very successful at it. And so let's talk about your new book that's coming out Yay! Sunday. Yes. So excited.
1: It is my favorite book yet by far. Okay. Um, um, tell me about it. Yeah, it's called Not Sorry, Living Your Most Confident, Vibrant, and Unapologetic Life which are all words that I love. Um, But yeah, I started writing this book earlier this year, or not earlier this year, last year. Yeah, 2019, yes. Um, So I started writing it and I finished it in like the second half of last year. And what really made me want to write it is I just felt like, I don't know if it's my age, my maturity, like things I'm going through in my life, but I feel like I've just gotten to this point where... I essentially was like, I'm not sorry for living my life the way I want to live it. Like, I don't care what you have to say about it. Your judgment and your opinion doesn't need to tell me how I should do anything. And I just kind of went on this like relentless, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to live my best life thing and doing it without apology. And I decided to write the actual book because I feel like so many women, myself included, Mm -hmm. were living this life where we were like yeah, unapologetic, like, here I go, boss babe, like posting all the quotes and like, like (laughs) acting like we were living this life. But then I was also the same person that like, when someone in my life like attacked me and, you know, like belittled me or like insulted me, like Mm -hmm. I would take it to heart and I would be like, oh my God, am I really this person? Are they right? And I just don't see it. Like, and it was like this teeter totter of like, yeah, living my best fucking life, here we go. And then also still allowing people's opinions or judgment or even fear or imposter syndrome to hold me back from fully stepping into that life. And when I started this book, it was like, dude, like, not sorry. Like, we're going all fucking in. Like, if we're doing this, if we're going to, like, say we're living this life and post the things and talk about it, like, then we better fucking do it real and 100% And so that's what it became. It's my little, my little blueprint for how I decided to start living my most confident, vibrant and unapologetic life, regardless of the opinion, judgment and fear going on in the world around me.
0: Wow. It's fucking awesome. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, I I feel the same way, you know, sometimes, of course, like we are women, and we tend to be, you know, a little emotional. Yes. Here and there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really important to like check those emotions and not let every little like naysayer or hater, Mm -hmm. um, make your world crumble. Yes. Because it's so easy to just fall apart and it's very easy to listen to negative crap. Right. It is. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it's everywhere. Like go on the internet, Mm -hmm. anything, like the comments, (laughs) like, oh my God, they're horrible. And that's, I talk about that a little bit in the book too about how, with the growth and expansion of my career, those mm. things only got more common and worse. Like, oh, God. I'm so glad you're saying that. Yeah. And, and because <laughs> I feel
0: the exact same way. And I thought it was only me. No, like,
1: it's, honestly. And, and it's funny because I I talk about it um a lot in the book about like, at every level, the more you're doing with your life, the more people are going to have a problem with it and you, which is unfortunate. Mm. Like, I I talk about a few scenarios in my own life, though, that at some of the like at the given time when I was at these like momentous moments in my career where it was like the biggest thing I had ever done and my biggest achievements, there was yeah. always something that happened that tried to like ruin it or crush it or criticize it by someone else. Mm-hmm. And I talk about a couple um things in particular, but like. I had my first um, 100 women sold out um, female empowerment event in Detroit here. Wow. So, so excited. Okay. Like this was the biggest thing I'd ever done. I was on cloud nine. I was so freaking excited. And we yeah. took a portion of the ticket sales and donated it to a local women and girls nonprofit here in Detroit. And wow. so we were so excited about being able to do this. And, you know, yeah. we've always been financially fine but like never in a position to do something like that with our money yeah and so i was just so like so excited it was right before christmas and i posted pictures um of the cart with all the stuff that we were donating and i put them on social media so i could show you know everyone that came to the event like here's what you helped us do with your ticket purchase you know we were able to donate all of these things before the holidays like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of supplies and things like it was just amazing And literally at that moment, someone made a fake profile and decided to come start trolling the post about me being fake. Um, I was only doing this for my image. You're only doing this because people around you are doing it. Stop posting events. You're fake. You just want to get your name out there. Like... And the best part was, though, like they left one. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like boundary moment. Like we don't have room for someone like this here. And so I like deleted it. They kept coming back like every hour and leaving another one. And I was Mm -hmm. like, and literally like I talk, I literally write on the book, but I'm like, wrap your head around this one. Someone took the time. Yeah. To make a fake profile, which you have to have a valid email address and a setup process. Like, that is not yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, and, like, there's a lot of hoops to right, jump through
0: nowadays. <laughs> just
1: to come attack me for donating the money we earned to a good cause. Wow. Like, let that sink in. And I'm like, not only that, they continued to oh. come back every hour to check to see if I deleted them to leave more comments. Do you know how much time and effort that person put into that? Yeah. For, for what? Like, what was the point? That's so, so ridiculous. But yeah, I talk about that it a lot does, in this book, yeah. about how a lot of the things that have happened as my career has grown. And essentially, you know, I just had to get to this, like, not sorry mindset where it was like, essentially yeah. saying, like, fuck off. <laughs> like, you're not going to stop. Yeah. You're not going you to make me change my ways. This is what I'm doing. I have enough faith and passion in my heart that no matter what the people around me are saying about it, I'm still going to chase after what I need to do.
0: Good for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> not, yeah. not sorry. Not hashtag. Oh. Not sorry. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love you and I love what you're doing and I have nothing but love and support for you. Thank you. Sarah. Where can people find you? Um. So my website is Sarah Ordo.com.
1: Everything okay. pretty much is linked on there. I'm extremely active on Instagram. So definitely come and follow me there. I'm on stories like every single day. Um, okay. My podcast is called Her Best Fucking Life on iTunes and Stitcher. I, mean, I have it. so many things. My books are all on Amazon and Kindle. Um yes, yes, if anyone is sober, we do have the Slaying Sobriety group on Facebook if you search the name. Um we're close to about 10,000 people in the group right now. It's getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, wild. almost 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 sober women, which is so cool. It's such a fun supportive community.
0: I love it. So, you can find really me. Is. Yeah, you can find me in all those places. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing your experience. And Knowledge, you are amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. What a little cutie. How great is Sarah? Make sure to get your copy of her book, Not Sorry, out on Amazon this Sunday. Sober girls, support and sober girls. That's how we make the world go round over here. As always, thank you guys so much for your love and support. I couldn't do this without you. Please leave a comment, feedback, subscribe to us on iTunes. We love to hear your feedback and comments. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girls Guide and the blog. Don't forget about the blog. We keep it locked, stocked, and loaded just for you with how-tos, tips, and tricks along your recovery journey. We also have tools, workbooks, journals, and the 30-day challenge to help you on your way. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.